right, here we are again. Uh, this is Brother Galen DeCosta, and we're here today, May 9th, uh, 2017. And today we have a wonderful guest on our podcast today. It's um, Brother Philip Booker. We are so glad that he uh, he consented to come on and, and be on be on the podcast with us because um, he's just an all-around great guy. And he is our Sunday School Director, as well as a number of other things. I don't want to talk too much about him because I know he doesn't like that kind of stuff. He doesn't want to put himself out there or anything like that. So, But uh, we're just glad he came on. Say hello. Well, it's good to be here, and the reason he didn't go on is there's not a whole lot more to go on about. So <laughs> nice, nice try anyway, though. <laughs> just kidding. There's a lot more that could be said, but uh, we'll leave it there. Maybe for other, maybe for other podcasts, uh, hopefully later on in the future. But today we've come together to, uh, of course, we're here with our host, um, DT. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And we're here because we want to talk today with Brother Philip about Sunday school. An interesting thing about Sunday school, I just wanted to look at uh, some of its origins. Today I was thinking about it, and uh, of course it started with a man by the name of, well, it's attributed to have been started by a man by the name of William Ashley Billy Sunday. He was born November 19th, 1862. Uh, through November 6, 1935. And uh, interesting, he was a baseball player in the beginning, uh, later on converted and became uh, quite an uh, energetic evangelist. And some of the things you read about him, he made a lot of money. Brother Philip, are you making a lot of money? Oh, yeah. Sunday school's a great moneymaker. <laughs> no, obviously not. It's definitely a ministry, uh, but it's it's definitely not for the money for sure. Mm. No doubt, no doubt. So... All kidding aside, well, no, I hope you won't mind a little bit of it. You know, it's fun being a part of the kingdom of God and uh, being involved in the work of God. And I think that's one of the things that makes Brother Philip such a great leader is he has fun, and people that work with him have fun with him. At least I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) And so one of the questions I wanted to put to you first was, uh, how did you get started in Sunday school? About how old were you? Or just tell us a little bit about your experience as a kid, growing up in it, and moving on into your participation in teaching of it. All right. Actually, as a kid, we didn't have a uh, real strong history of Sunday school in the church that we grew up. Um, I remember being in it, but nothing really memorable in the sense that it wasn't, and I, I'm not, this is just the way it was, it, the emphasis wasn't there, and I don't remember it being terribly exciting. Um, I don't remember being real um, thrilled at the prospect of going to Sunday school. So <laughs> We're being honest here. <laughs> I, I am, and I'm going to tell you why, because okay. when I started getting involved with it later, I wanted to make it the most exciting thing that a kid had ever been to. Absolutely. So uh, I wanted a, a, uh, a child that had been in our Sunday school to be able to remember back to specific moments in time when that particular thing happened. And uh, we try to make moments all the time. But as far as getting into Sunday school, I was around uh, 20 years of old, uh, 20 years of old, yeah, 20 years of age uh, when I first got involved back in about 1999. And um, I had no clue what I was doing, <laughs> not a clue. There was just a vacancy. And so I moved in, and I probably botched it up really bad, uh, but we did our best to learn about it. Uh, But where I really, really started getting the real vision of why we do what we do 
is about five years ago when we got tied into bus ministry and Sunday school. And I started seeing the impact that it has both on our kids of our community and church kids. And I realized that there's really nothing else I've ever been involved in that's like it. And uh, from then on, it just gripped me. And that's been my passion ever since. All right. Around, oh, so at the age of 20, is when around there, what was your first what was your first duties as in Sunday school at that when you first started? I taught probably the hardest class on the planet, which is an 11 to 13 year old boys class. <laughs> That's that weird age where they're no longer a kid, really. They want to be cool, but yet they have the energy of a child. <laughs> and so it's it's a tough class for sure. So um, I got a a rude awakening to to Sunday school, and so you had to make it exciting, or they'd climb the walls. So it was a, a, a trial by fire, and I, I hope I uh, taught them more than they taught me, but I kind of doubt it. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> learned a lot from that first class. Yeah, always. My first class was uh, was the youth class, and uh, I don't know if it was for them or for me, but <laughs> it was an experience, yeah. So what other positions in the Sunday school have you, what other class, what other ages have you taught? What other positions have you been involved with? Oh my goodness, now it's pretty much around the gamut. Uh, first it was 11 to 13 year olds, and it was the uh, 5 to 7 years old, and then Whoa. it was the uh, a huge class that went all the way from 5 years old up to 18, so it was a massive range, and that we did that for about 8 months because we were trying to restructure some classes, so that was a lot of fun. Um, now I'm the uh, superintendent here, which means just kind of you have to uh, be the bad guy a lot of times, <laughs> not necessarily the fun part. <laughs> But uh, still get to teach a lot, and uh, as I mentioned, been involved with the bus quite a bit, and um, that's the uh, uh, right now. That is such a a neat thing because I've never I've never been involved, and in I'll talk about this in a little bit if that's okay. Absolutely. But about how uh, it grabbed me through bus ministry, yeah. and then I realized just the significance of what we're really doing. Yeah, yeah, we'll want to get into that. A couple more questions. So uh, when you first started, you were already here at ILC then? Is that Correct. the case? Yes. Okay, so... Yeah, I, we moved here when I was 18. Okay. So I had not been involved in a teaching capacity before then. Oh, really? So before 18, I know you were a Bible quizzer. Uh, yes, sir. But prior to uh, coming here, you were not teaching a class? Not at all. At a Royal Grandy or any, yeah? Oh. No, sir. No, this is the first, the first uh, crack of the bat was, was here. <laughs> like I said, I was about 20 at the time okay. when I started. And uh, I'm sure this will go for some other stuff, but what, in, in that class, in that, when you guys were reorganizing, you had that great age range, what were you using? What format was it? Was it like a super church? What What did you do to... Yeah, it was a super church format. Uh, we broke it up into segments, so we tried to keep it from eight to 10 minute segments throughout the course of the hour. So it never got monotonous, never got boring, and the kids could hopefully never anticipate what was going to happen next. Uh, yeah, the more I started working with kids, the more I realized that predictability is, is not a good thing with kids. So uh, we would switch it up every eight minutes to a completely different... Um, portion. It would be a song, game, skit, object lesson, uh, puppet show, and every eight minutes it switched. Oh, every eight minutes. That's uh, 
So how many of their, was it a team? It wasn't just you. No, this was a team. Okay. Yeah. And this was a time when we gathered all the teachers from those different classes and had them each assigned to a portion, which made it a lot of fun because a lot of people got exposed to doing things that they had never done before. So they had never done a puppet show, but they did that week. Yeah. <laughs> and they had a, a week to prepare. It was kind of nice because before they had an hour to prepare for their lesson. Or excuse me, they prepared uh, for a week, but they had to teach the entire segment when it was their class. Well, now we're all combined in one, so they only had an eight-minute segment. So what we'd tell them is, you have an, uh, a full week to prepare for eight minutes. Ah, uh, yeah. So it better be the best eight minutes we've ever done in our lives. <clears throat> okay, so um, I know one of the things that uh, I saw in different seminars that we went to, uh, I did this. I, I gave monologues, and I hated doing it. Uh, because it was just me droning on, and that got really boring. Do you, do you all, do you also, when you bring on teachers, do you train them? Do you give them a lesson plan, or how do you guys uh, set it up so that it doesn't become that? Absolutely. Well, we try not to do that trial by fire that I had, which is where you just show up in the class and you're on your own. Um, we try to put them in a class with an experienced teacher so they get to oh, see excellent. it. They get to um, see what works, what doesn't, before they're the ones actually implementing it. And right now it's kind of nice because we still have a bigger class. It's not as big as it was, but it is still a 5 to 11 uh, range of kids, and we have roughly 100 kids in there. Uh, but we also have five or six teachers, and so when we include someone into there or train them, they get to get plugged right into that five or six, and now they're in the rotation and so every week they get moved to another one. And uh, we don't do that until they're comfortable. But um, we do have training as well. In fact, we just had a big workshop out in Redlands. It was a Friday, Saturday event. And I'm telling you, it was knockout. <clears throat> I didn't teach any of it. That's why it was so good. <laughs> no, it was really good. We had some uh, people we flew in, and they just did an incredible job. So uh, there was definitely first-class training for anybody that wanted to learn more. Yeah. And of course, we always learn on the job too. Yeah. That was open to anybody who wanted to come from different churches. And I heard about some people that actually came from uh, some uh, churches that are not affiliated or at non-apostolic churches. Is that right? Absolutely. In fact, I don't know that, <clears throat> that it really fits into the bounds of this podcast, but while we were there, there was a lady. She was obviously not from one of our churches. And someone introduced her to us. And she said, hey, she came to Rialto Church at Easter and she saw your Easter play. So um, she uh, was really liked what she saw, and she went on the website and saw the next thing coming up, which is the Children's Ministry Seminar, and showed up to that. <laughs> she wanted to learn more about it. So, hey, you know, I, it was open to anybody. So it, it, was, it was a really, really neat thing. So, yeah, we had people from probably 10 different churches uh, come to it. So it was, a, it was a great event. What are some of the things that you do to help keep your staff motivated and fresh? Do you have these teaching seminars, like I know this one does at least, this one's at least once a year. Do you do other things throughout the year besides that? That particular one is once a year, but yeah, we do have get-togethers occasionally where we'll bounce ideas off each other, come up with what can we do better. Um, and as far as training, we try to make every Sunday a training. So before class, you know, we have a teacher meeting. We try to use five, 10 minutes of that. It doesn't always happen, but five, 10 minutes to talk about something that would make a teacher better. Whether it's, uh, you know, this is how to do storytelling. This is how to do an object lesson. This is how to. So every Sunday we try to do a little something. And then I'm telling you, when you see 
seven other people because there's there's again every eight minutes it changes you get to watch seven other people give their best eight minutes of the week and oh. you learn a lot oh that's great by just yeah. watching so a lot of it's just by being in there and being exposed to it was there ever a time when you didn't have that kind of staff let's say um for a church that say is smaller you know uh, maybe they don't have uh maybe there's only two teachers um was there ever a time when you it oh, wasn't absolutely. like this. Absolutely. In fact, when I first started, like I said, I was kind of on my own. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even claim to. I just tried. I knew I wanted it to be exciting. But sometimes without guidance, you almost border on silliness. So, you know, you it's okay to act like a kid and be like a kid, but you still have to maintain some level of dignity. <laughs> I think I crossed <laughs> that, that boundary more than once. But um, I didn't have much, much knowledge of it, but they would have, uh, brother Baglin would come in they would have oh, yeah. different other people and they would give us just hours and hours of, of teaching on how to do it. And of course we do it every, did everything we could to learn from it. And I also had something that few other churches have, which was a guy named Scott Blair and Scott Blair was, as far as I was concerned, he was an anomaly. He taught the class next to us. And he would show up in these big old baggy pink pants, these big suspenders, size 25 tennis shoes. I mean, he was just a hoot. And I would listen from my class. I could hear his very clearly. <laughs> and it would bleed over. And he'd sing fun songs. And I'd think, man, I, I want to do that. He'd, I'd hear the kids, how excited they were. And I'm telling you, just by being next door to him, I got excited. Oh, yeah. And uh, as soon as I could... I got to work with him in a class and I said, you know, hey, I, I really want to be in here. And I learned more from just being in that class and seeing the things he did than probably any training I've ever been in. And it was, again, being exposed to the live, just watching someone do it on a regular basis that uh, it really, really inspired me. And uh, ever since then, I dress <laughs> apart, yeah. I try anyway. We've seen you. Um, and uh, anyway, just seeing how he interacted with the kids and they loved the silliness, but he never crossed the line of, of losing your dignity. So, <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to, uh, constantly do, but he did good. Let me ask you this. How do you, um, do you guys do a, um, do you have some requirements of the staff? Do you have some, uh, you know, some, I don't I don't know what, like a standard, like, Hey, listen, every week, this is, I know for, me, when we were in Sunday school, we were required to read our lesson on Monday. Monday, we should have read our lessons and be praying and going through them all throughout the week so that absolutely we didn't show up on Sunday trying to put it together, Yeah, which I will confess I, I had done a couple of times, just a couple of times. But uh, what do you guys do or what do you, what do you ask of this? Well, we've all been guilty of preparing the last minute. And I actually have a website, apostolicsundayschool.com, where Great. we try to spread everything that we do to anybody that cares. Yep, we'll put, yep. There's object the lessons, there's games, there's songs, there's podcasts on there that we've done. Just anything that we can do to help other Sunday school teachers, we try to just put it all up there. Excellent. But this is an interesting statistic. There's a stat on the site where you can tell the most popular day and time that the site is accessed. 
And ironically, for a Sunday school website, it's Saturday night at 8 p.m. <laughs> That's I'm not telling. Lying. Saturday That's night, telling. 8 p.m. <laughs> so obviously, uh, late prep <laughs> is is not an isolated problem. Although the optimist in me is thinking that's for the following week, right? Oh, okay. Hopefully, yeah. it can't be for tomorrow morning. <laughs> Surely not. But I have a sneaking suspicion that it is. Yeah. But we always tell our teachers that the best time to start preparing is Sunday afternoon. And I don't mean that you sit down and you work on your lesson necessarily. At least read the topic, become familiar with it. We There's a like the red car effect. When you're about to buy a red car, suddenly red cars are everywhere. Or, you, you know, whatever you're thinking of is where, is, is it's all yep. you see. So if you think of a topic on Sunday afternoon, on Monday you're going to see something that's going to help you with your lesson on Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through until by Sunday, you have more content than you could ever possibly cram into an hour. Uh, that's good stuff. I've never heard it put like that, but that that's excellent because if it is out of sight, it is out of mind. Absolutely. I, so as yeah. far as preparation, that's our number one is start early, never, ever wait to right. Saturday, especially yep. at 8 p.m. for goodness yeah. sakes. Yeah. <laughs> that's telling on the website. Yeah, you know what? That's a secret now. That everybody's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. can't avoid it." If you go to the website, it counts you. I actually wrote an article on the website about it. <laughs> Ironically, I said, "I don't know who you are. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not tracking you, but you know you're doing it." <laughs> good yeah, point. Good funny. point. And like you said, we've all been guilty of it, but uh, thank God for those people that stick with it and stay in and just keep on. Yeah. And I want to make it clear that I am not at all separating myself from that. I have done that far <laughs> too many times to count. Uh, it, it's not, it's easy to point out failure when you've done it yourself. So <laughs> I try not to, but sometimes it happens. And what was that website again? ApostolicSundaySchool.com. And can you get through that from the um, ILC uh, I don't website it's, or is it's that a, separate? It's not affiliated with it, just something oh. that I've started just to help out other teachers. More than anything, it was with our local church. I wanted, we do a lot of really creative object lessons, some that I don't think I've ever seen anybody do. There's a lot of science experiments. Oh, yes. Uh, just really exciting stuff that I hadn't seen anywhere. You'll um, Let me put it like this. You'll see them online with zero spiritual application. They're just science experiments. Right. That's all they are. Okay. So we try to develop a uh, spiritual application for every one of these that can be reproduced by our other teachers. And then, of course, I wanted to share it to anybody else that wanted that. And slowly it's grown now. People everywhere we go is pretty much saying that we, we try to use it on a regular basis. So oh, uh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. That, what, a, what a great resource. And when I was teaching Sunday school, uh, we had none of that. You know, we had to make it up as we go. And that's fine. Yeah. But here we are now. No excuses. <laughs> now, one thing you did mention is uh, you mentioned curriculum. At yes. Least I believe you mentioned it. Yes. Um, that's one thing that we are probably an anomaly with. We don't use curriculum. And I know that sounds weird. So let me explain that. We um, never found anything that perfectly fit what we were trying to do, yep. which was hit some key doctrinal points every year. We want them to know the plan of salvation every week, no matter what. Excellent. We also want them to hear the oneness of God. We also want them to hear, you know, there's certain key doctrinal principles that you want to hit uh, on a regular basis. Right. And none of the curriculum we found did that. So we sat down, this was a couple years ago with a uh, pastor and myself, uh, when Brother Michael Barrier was here and a couple others, and we wrote out some key topics that we wanted to hit and we put a schedule together. And it's more of a, we call it a theme 
than anything that runs through all of our classrooms. So on this Sunday, every classroom is teaching about whatever it is, the fruit of the Spirit. Everyone is at their own age groups level. But they have to come up with the plan oh, for their Oh, okay. Group. So you give them the theme and, and they write the down. lesson. Now, I know that sounds like it's almost unfair to the teachers, but it really does spark some incredible creativity from a teacher instead of almost reading your plan. Right. Which which has right. been known to happen, not necessarily yep. here, just in general. Uh, they're coming up with some incredible stuff. Yeah. You know, we'd sneak in their classroom and take pictures while they're just – it's just unreal. You, you, you have to um, – I think we have a bunch of pictures on the church website, just of some of the stuff they come up with. So it's worked for us. Other people, maybe not so much. I don't know. Um, but for us, it's been a success. Yeah, I can see how that uh, that there's there's a lot of create. And you know what? Uh, ownership. If, I think if the teachers take ownership of that, they can get some really creative things going on there. And that's a big thing, especially in the days and times we're living. Ownership is big. Yeah. Let me say this. Let me ask you this. What percentage? Uh, so the lessons are geared towards everyone, not just kids that are in church, grown up in church, but also, I mean, we'll get into this, will segue right into our bus ministry here. But uh, are the lessons geared more towards, or is the range for everyone? Doesn't matter. Bus kid, what? what? It is for everyone. If we tried to aim it at one or the other, we would miss half of the kids. Right now we have almost a 50-50 split of church and bus kids. So um, we, we definitely are aiming it at the broadest spectrum that we can. Um, it, like every week we hit plan of salvation. They're going to hear baptism in Jesus' name, repentance, and getting the Holy Ghost. Every In one way, shape, or form, it's going to be in everyone. And the reason we do that is some of these kids, we may never see them again. Yeah. Maybe the only shot we have at them. Uh, now our church kids, we don't make it boring. So they may hear the same topic that they've heard before, but hopefully it's in a completely different way. So it never gets old. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that we're always successful at that, but that's at least what we're trying. No, I think it gets in there somehow. And you know what? It's repetition, repetition. So let me ask you this about one of the things I've wondered is um, in Sunday school, what do we hope to get out of it? Or what, you know, when you, when, when, what do I mean by that? I'm saying, um, why are we doing this? Why are we doing sure. Sunday school? That's a fair question. I ask that actually whenever I go <clears throat> and do a training seminar at a church. Uh, that's the number one thing I ask is, are we doing it because we're told we're supposed to or because everybody else is doing it? Or is there a better reason that we can pin it on? And the most basic fundamental reason of why we do Sunday school is Proverbs 22.6 train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, Frederick Douglass said it like this, it's better to build strong children than to repair broken men. Mm. And there is um, another quote that I heard actually this week, and it was something to the effect of, if you try to make an impression on a con 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 if you try to make an impression on a concrete wall, you're probably just going to hurt yourself and hurt the wall. <laughs> but if you can get to it while it's still wet, yeah. you can mold yeah. it and form it yeah. to exactly the way it's supposed to be. So that's the way I see Sunday school. If you can get to these kids and literally train them before they harden up. In fact, there's some statistics that just go to show it. There's a company called Barna Group. They do studies yeah. of uh, church and society where they meet, and they found out that this is an incredible statistic, but 43% of anyone that ever gets in church 
gets in church before they turn 13 years old. 43, almost half of every single person that will ever get into church gets in church before they're uh, 13 years old. Hmm. And there's even more incredible stuff. There's, um, they found, and I'm going to pull this up real quick, by the time a child is nine years old, their basic moral foundation has already been formed. Yeah. By the time they're nine. Mm. By the time they're 13, they've nearly irrevocably formed a majority of their beliefs about the nature of God, whether the Bible's true, and whether there's really an afterlife. By the time they're 13, basically, by the time they're 13, what they believe is what they're going to die believing. Huh. That's, so uh, we can get to them before yeah. they're that age. There's a stat that's been attributed to everybody under the sun, or not a stat, a quote that says, uh, you know, give me, a, give me a, a child and I'll give him back to you when he's seven. After that, you can have him because I know what he's going to be. So if you can train him, then when they're old, they won't depart from it. Yeah. Now, of course, stuff happens. We understand that. Yeah. There's other sides of that coin. Yeah. But speaking generally. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to do our very best. To train them while they're young. Yeah. So, what do you see? Um, uh, what do you hope t- to stick on, say, some of the bus kids? And uh, let's just talk about that for a bit, for a little bit. We have a, a, a really a thriving bus ministry, and there's a lot of things, a lot of questions I had about that. Uh, first off, is um, you know, it's a big commitment every Saturday, um, but for everybody that I've seen that's involved in it. You know, they want to be, and they like being a part of it. How do you maintain that level of enthusiasm, commitment? What do you do to help keep that going? Part of it is self-energizing. There's, you can be made to go on outreach, and you will have a terrible time. Yeah. But if you go and are really open to, what is this all about? I'm going to try it. When you go on outreach and you invite someone that actually comes to church and you see them that you invited them, there is nothing like it. Yeah. There's nothing mm-hmm. in the world like it. And I don't know <clears throat> uh, how much time we have, but uh, that's what happened to me. I went on hundreds of outreaches when I was young. And even when I was growing up, when I was a youth, when I was a young teen, when I was a young married. And I, I, I put it like this. I was in the Pentecostal cocoon. My family was in church. My friends were in church. Everybody I knew was in church. If I tried to invite someone to church, they were already in church. So (laughs) the only way I could do it is with someone that I had very brief contact with at a store or at a bank or somewhere like that. And of course, we would invite them. But your your odds are much higher when you've built a relationship with someone. So I literally, by the time I was probably 28, 29. I'm not proud of this. I'm just going to be honest with you. I had had one person ever come to church that I had invited, only one. And this is after probably thousands of outreaches. I had, God only knows how many hundreds of thousands of flyers I had passed out. It's a numbers game. But when I went on a Sunday school outreach, the first time I ever went on outreach for kids, I had about 10 people come that I invited. The first time. And I know that was also an anomaly. To have that many on the first time. And it was, there wasn't just kids. There was actually an, a grandma that I invited because I was going after kids. It was a way into the home. And grandma came that first Sunday I had ever done this. And you talk about being excited. I mean, I was just like, if this will get kids to church. And since then, I've seen multiple people get the Holy Ghost that yep. I've invited. I've yep. seen people that I've invited get baptized through children's ministry, through bus ministry. Right, bus ministry. And 
I know it's not the only one that works. There's many ways that people get people to church. But for me, it worked. I saw it. Yeah. I have people that come that I've invited. And uh, to me, there's just nothing like it. It's a great starter. If you're a shy person, you get to go with other people. You know, they'll hold your hand, so to speak. And yeah, without a doubt. I, I always thought it was strange uh, to walk up to somebody's door, ask them, can I have your kids tomorrow morning? And they say, yeah, you know, and I had it happen multiple times, but, um, I don't know. It's a strange thing to me, but yet I'm just glad. I'm glad they do. Now, not everybody's receptive to that. Uh, well, the way you put it does sound a little creepy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I try to be very cautious of that. Brother, brother James Wang from San Jose actually put it. He said, it is a minor miracle every time we get a child to church. It really is for someone to let you take their child to church, sight unseen, is unheard of, but there are ways of making it more palatable. We don't, we're not creepy, first of all. Yeah. I try to always have my son or daughter with me if I possibly can. We're making animal animal balloons. We try to have the bus with us if we can on the street so they can see what they would be riding in. And the number one thing is I invite the parents to come. Right. I say we do not, we're not just asking for your kids. We want you to come. It's a family thing. Come be with them in class. Check it out. And when they know that's an option, they may still not come, but at least they know we're not trying to separate them from their child. Yeah, that's a good point. I tell them, I'm a, I'm a dad. Yeah. You come and ask for my kids, I'm going to wonder where you're taking them. So I try to break the barrier before they even think of the barrier. And uh, it doesn't always work, but it definitely uh, breaks it down. Another thing is there's nothing like familiarity. We go to these same neighborhoods week after week, and now it's year after year to the oh, same that's neighborhoods. That's a good point, yeah. And they know point. us. They yep. know us by name. Uh, we know their kids. We know their friends. We're we're part of the of the neighborhood, so it's not creepy. You know, um, <clears throat> on that last subject you guys were just talking about, about you know, keeping the kids that work, um, you know, more into it. You know, my my daughter Sarah and Danny they they do it, and um, every Sunday they after church they man, today was fun because we did this and this on the bus and we sang this and this and. <clears throat> and so, like, I don't know what you guys do on the bus, and then they, they they'd say all sorts of things, and and they just love it. And seeing when they invite kids to to church, uh, Sarah once told me she was like, "Oh, I invited this girl to church, and she showed up." And so, you know, it just it made her even more happier and more more um, just wanting to get out there and do it even more. So yeah. that's awesome. <clears throat> it is self motivating when you see someone that you invite. But I didn't touch on this, but we do try to make it fun for us as well. And, and I don't mean that like selfishly, but if it's, if it's, if it's drudgery every week, yeah. you don't want to go back. So if I go with them on outreach, we're going to be making balloons while we're on outreach. We're going to be singing in the car. We're going to be having a blast in the bus. Um, we're going to be goofy. We're going to have a lot of fun. But the goal hasn't changed. We're still trying to get kids. So um, we try... It's not always like it should, but I try to tell them that if they go to the worst class they've ever been to, a child will still want to come back just because your bus ride was so good. Yeah. And we try to tell the Sunday school teachers if their bus ride was terrible and people were mean to them and they yelled at them and they, you know, whatever, not that that happens, but if it did, your class should be so awesome that they want to come back just for your class, that they would endure the bus ride. <laughs> but if you got them both together... Yeah. An incredible bus ride and an incredible class. You can't pay them to stay away, and that's what we're after. And we have the number one thing nobody else has. 
uh, that's the Spirit of God. And if we can tie fun and the Spirit of God together, it's an unbeatable combination. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you get, uh, do you run any, we used to get, um, we used to try to get the kids that we already have to get their neighbors. Do you guys run anything like that? Oh, get, yeah. Yeah. In okay. fact, uh, <laughs> we're doing a thing for the bus I drove last week where um, we told them it's $2, and this is not every week, this is a one-time deal, $2 for every visitor they bring, friend, neighbor, aunt, uncle, wow. doesn't matter, $2 <laughs> for every person they bring plus a dollar for the person that comes. So, <laughs> and again, that's not coming out of the church's pocket. I'm, I'm paying for that. Oh, I'm okay. okay with that though. If they bring 60 kids, what does it cost me? 150 bucks, whatever. They're not going to bring 60. But if they did, I'm thinking worst case scenario, 60 people came to church. I think I can, you know, I'd sell something, <laughs> <clears throat> but more than likely it might cost me 10 bucks. Yeah. You know, who, who can't afford 10 bucks? You just don't go to McDonald's that day. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Well, in, in regards to that, you may not know this stat, but um, I know I'm a regular giver to Sunday school uh, because I, I believe in it. Um, not some huge amount, but uh, consistently. Do you know, do you get, do you feel like you get adequately funded in our Sunday school department? We are probably one of the blessed, most blessed Sunday schools in all of Pentecost, and I'm not just saying that. We don't have to struggle for every penny. We're very careful. We don't spend stupid. Right. But we also don't have to do fundraisers to buy snacks for the bus. The church has been so generous, and we're very careful with it because our buses do break down, and we have right. to pay thousands of dollars fixing these right. things, so we don't know when we need it. Right. But I've, I've, I hear other churches <clears throat> that the stuff they have to go through just to afford some of the stuff that they do yeah. on a regular basis, and we don't have to fight that. Yeah. And I'm almost embarrassed by how good we have it in that sense. So we just try to be super careful and make that blessing turn into something into into something that the kids respond to. Yeah, I'll tell you what. As a parent, and part of the reason I do give to it is because of the profile that is given to Sunday school. In the main church, it's absolutely mentioned every Sunday morning uh, by the bishop, by Pastor Booker, uh, and so it's it's brought before us. But also because of the things that we see the Sunday school staff do when you guys bring it into the sanctuary or when we see the different things that are being done, bringing it before uh, the adult class, letting them know, letting them see what you're doing. I know it makes me want to be a part of it however I can, you know, and if, if being a regular contributor is a part of it, then so be it. That's what I want to do. So it's been a blessing for me, just you guys keeping a a, a profile. You're not off to the side here every Sunday morning. Where's where's all those people? You know, they're yeah. not doing their own thing, but, you know, we... Sure, think, and the one thing does lead to the other. The more things that happen exciting in Sunday school, the more times it gets mentioned in church. And the more times it's mentioned in church, now the emphasis is back on Sunday school. So that feeds off each other. It creates yeah. this really cool dynamic that, again, we're very blessed right. in the sense that the church is behind this. Yep. It's not something that that is happening and nobody knows about it. Yeah. Um, but it also is getting results, thankfully. Um, and, and it's because... The church is behind it. <laughs> you know, the one, they're not independent of each other. If you can get both together, it's just a great uh, momentum builder. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Okay, I wanted to move on to this. Um, what do you do personally to uh, keep yourself fresh? Other than, you know, being full of the Holy Ghost, I'm talking more on a practical, you know, do you take vacations? Do you, What do you do to try to help, or do you ever feel yourself getting, do you, do you sense these things? How do you keep yourself? Because oh, sure. uh, your role is huge. Listen, this doesn't get done without somebody leading it. It just yeah. doesn't get done. Well, you'd be a fool to say that you never get burnt out or that you don't get tired. We all have that. <clears throat> we have these periods where you're just almost going through the motions and you don't even realize it until it gets pointed out or maybe an event points it out for you. <laughs> when you realize that, oh, I'm, I'm just doing this almost out of habit. Um, so as far as, <clears throat> as far as rekindling that, um, there's a group of us that meets every single month, and they're, they're from California, Tennessee, Florida, and we call each other through Google Hangouts, and we share just neat stories. Oh, that's Anything great. Anything that happened in their church, I want to know about it. If you had 16 get the Holy Ghost, tell me about it. How did you do it? What did you do? And uh, it's, it's very inspiring. So if you're at a low, your church may not have had a great Sunday, but maybe they had a smoking one and they can get you pumped up again. Or maybe it's reversed. Maybe you just had something great happen. So that helps us a lot. We also share ideas that worked and ideas that didn't. So we can not all have to repeat the same mistakes. Um, it's just, it's very inspiring. So as far as a uh, rebuilding every Monday, thankfully, again, this is just the blessings that I can do this, but every Monday I don't work. That's my day off. Saturdays are insane. Sundays right. are insane. Right. <laughs> there are nutty days. You right. know, most people have those as their kickback days. Well, those are just nutty. So Monday, thankfully, is just a time to do nothing but shut the phone off yeah. and recover. Good for you. Yeah. So then it's back on the wagon Tuesday through Sunday. So <laughs> Mondays is, is our day to just kind of quietly recover at home. <laughs> so I do have that. And as far as uh, staying fresh, uh, I I just really like it. I mean, I'm kind of like uh, Brother Tyler Hodge. He, he said that he's a, a children's ministry geek. Well, that's how I feel. I really am. I just kind of geek out on this stuff. I love it. I like it. So every time I go on a trip somewhere, I don't want it to get stale. <clears throat> so I try to order at least one thing that's going to give me new ideas. So this time I came back and I didn't have one thing. So I ordered a bunch of used books I found on Amazon of all these kids, uh, kids ministry stuff. So I got 13 of them just now in a pile that I can't wait to <laughs> dig through. So all kinds of stuff in there. So that's, that's what I love. I just love, uh, I love what I do. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to get, get too now when you burn out when it's something you actually enjoy. Absolutely. It's, that's a great blessing to find that be your, that be your calling, your work. Tell us about the calling part. Um, that was something I was interested in. How did the, how did that come about? You went from being involved or is, was it a gradual thing, or can you point to a specific time where you felt like God really dealt with you? Or definitely more gradual. Okay. There wasn't necessarily a lightning bolt that the burning that I, bush. No, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Now we've done burning bushes in <laughs> class, but I never had it. Um, but no, it was never one moment. But uh, <clears throat> definitely, it grew on me. But I'll tell you that one day when I pulled up and the kids I invited were there. Okay. That, that was a landmark moment. 
Yeah. When I knew that I can get people to church, even if I am in that Pentecostal cocoon, I can get people to church. Yeah, that's great. That was a big thing. And when I saw the first person I had ever, not not the first person I had invited, but the first person that got the Holy Ghost that I had invited, I, that was just mind blowing that I finally had someone in church that I had brought that got the Holy Ghost. That was a big deal. And that's not necessarily a moment I knew this was what I was meant to do. Again, that's been more gradual. But those are the ones I look back on and they yeah. jump out at me as big moments. Um, no big bolts of lightning, but um, every day it just comes more clear. That this yeah. Sort of, yeah, that's great. The gradual growing. You just hang in there. You stick to it. Yeah. Uh, when you deal with a lot of bus kids, um, we see a lot of them. Uh, I can remember times of... Uh, getting a nice roster and then having it shrink and then seeing, you know, finding out that certain ones, well, they moved, you know, and I find them in another neighborhood. Um, when you, when we're dealing with a lot of the kids that come in on the bus that we get, uh, that the Lord blesses us with on the bus, um, what do you hope for on those kind of things? Or what, what do you hope they get out of it? And, well, what would be the perfect story is one to come in, get the Holy Ghost, and pretty soon be sitting on the pew with their families. And unfortunately, they come from such a broken family and, and home life that many times we don't, they're not even in this state for that long, let alone uh, for their life. Um, I can't even count the number of times that we've had kids that have got the Holy Ghost, been baptized, even one that came and said, I want to be a bus worker. So we got them incorporated. They went through the youth guidelines. I mean, they were ready to roll. We got them the orange shirt. They went out for it with us on outreach. And the next day, their parents moved them away. And we hardly ever see them since. Oh. So it does happen yeah. um, that, that they move. Uh, my hope is that no matter where they go, they're never, ever going to forget what they heard. Right. Or more than that, what they felt, what they experienced. Yeah. And that's why we try to teach every Sunday, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name. You need this kind of church. There is one God. His name is Jesus. That right. way, I don't care where they go. It doesn't matter where they move. They know what church they need to find. Yeah. So my hope is that every single one of them we teach and bring on the buses is eventually... A, a founded saint of God. We know that's not going to happen, but we're shooting for the stars. We're sure going for it. Yeah. But they're, they have some pretty rocky backgrounds. So yeah. the odds of them all going through that perfect scenario is not high. Yeah. But we are seeing the fruits of it for sure. Absolutely. So we do our best. We do our best to uh, plant the seed. And uh, I do think you hear the stories all the time of people coming around in their 20s and beyond saying, you know what? A day came, I wanted to go to a church, and I remembered Sunday school. And so it has a huge impact. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's one of the easier ways. Getting kids to be involved is sometimes a whole lot easier than it is to get adults who, let's face it, they've got all kinds of baggage with them already. You know, life. Yeah. Just, we've all got life, and so the kids... Yeah, easier to make a, a better impression yeah. with them. I'll never forget the story my dad tells all the time in church about a pastor that had a really neat service and he wanted to share it. So he called his friend and was telling him about this awesome service and people got the Holy Ghost. So he said, hey, three and a half people got the Holy Ghost tonight. Obviously, it's a weird thing to say. So the guy's like, what are you talking about? Three and a half. And he said, oh, I got it. Three adults and a, and a kid got the Holy Ghost. And the pastor, and this is the part I'll never forget, he says, no, you got it totally backwards. 
We had three kids and an adult. That adult's already half spent their life wasted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but if that kid gets locked in <clears throat> at this age, they have their whole life ahead of them to do something great for God. Yeah. So that's how we see it. Yeah. You know, the, if we can get to them while they're young, they don't have to spend half their life with the devil. They can they can spend it all for God. Yeah. yeah. We always, yep. We just, uh, we do our part uh, and let the Lord do his part. So as we're uh, coming to a, a close here, is there anything else you'd like to add into this that we may not have brought up? Uh, yeah, actually there fascinating. is. There's, there's one thing that when we were growing up, I, I'm, my dad's obviously the, the, the pastor or the bishop, and he's a great man of God, great preacher. Yes. And while he has never put any pressure in any way, in fact, if anything, the opposite of, of being a preacher, there's a lot of pressure that you're supposed to be a preacher because your dad is. <laughs> it's just implied, or a lot of preachers outright come out. I, I remember a man I got, I respected highly, I still do. And he said, why aren't you a preacher? Well, my dad has always told us, if you can be saved without preaching, don't preach, because <laughs> it's obviously not meant to be. So if you can possibly not be a preacher, then don't be. Yeah. So myself and my younger brother have always followed that. Very wise counsel, by the way. But the question is, can you still do something for God whether or not you're a preacher? Excellent. Well, of course you can, but it's still hard to to reconcile yourself. You know, what am I? If I'm not a preacher, what am I supposed to be? I don't know. I, I had no clue. Literally, my, my life growing up, I didn't know. My older brother, he just, you know, he knew from a young age that he was supposed to be a preacher, and that's why, you know, he's a pastor now. But we just didn't know. What am I supposed to do? And it didn't mean that we just sat there and were lazy our whole lives. We still did <laughs> everything that you know needed done. Sure. But uh, I think that's that's the one thing I want to pass to anybody that is in two situations. First of all, maybe you're you're unsure of what you're supposed to do. Do everything. If the church is 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 having Sunday school, get involved. Do and you'll know Excellent. if it's right or not pretty yep. soon. If they're in the choir, join the choir. If you're going to be in a... Whatever, do everything until you find the peace. If you don't try it out, you'll never know. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you are in Sunday school or if you are an usher or whatever it is, do it with everything you got yeah. because you're going to... If it's right, it's going to be a God thing. Yeah. And right now, I, I can say with absolute confidence, I'm not a preacher but I still feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do for God. And it's just w kind of worked out the way it has that um, I'm traveling now, doing a lot of children's ministry in different churches, just the way it is. I'm not a preacher. I tell that to every place I go. Hmm. I want you to know I'm not a preacher. And some places it gets kind of funny reactions. Oh, he's not a preacher. Why is he, why is he behind the pulpit? <laughs> you know, and I make it very clear. I'm not a preacher, and you don't have to be either. Uh, still be something great yeah. for God. That's excellent. That's a good point. Some people get to, uh, that's wrong thinking. I don't know where it comes from. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's sad, but true that, that they're more prominent. That part's not sad at all. <laughs> what I mean is that people feel like they're unimportant if they are a Sunday school teacher when they've probably affected more people or as many, yeah. as many pastors Absolutely. out there. And probably when they get to heaven, they'll see that they have as many stars in their crown as, as uh, most pastors do. Right. So they are having a huge impact. I try to tell them you're not a babysitter, you're right. a soul winner. Right. And, um, you know what, that's important, having that outlook, um, having that um, that philosophy 
drilled into you. What, what, you know, the whole thing, our world today is all about identity. <laughs> yeah. Writing your narrative, as some people call it now, that's the new buzzword, the narrative, my narrative. And so the narrative of a Sunday school, what am I? Yeah. Sunday school teacher, man. Just walk through every door that's open until yeah. you find the right one. If you don't try it, you'll never know. Do as occasion serves, the Bible says. There you go. Yeah. So if there's like a, like a parent listening right now, how can they, you know, get a hold of the church if they want to just send their kid to Sunday school or something like that? Absolutely. Uh, our bus travels all around uh, Rialto, Fontana. We're going to San Bernardino now. And if it's not too crazy, we'll make it work wherever it's at, wherever they're at. But they can call our bus number, which is 7722-ILC-BUS. 7722-ILC-BUS. That's a Google number. It's kind of a weird area code, but it'll ring to uh, myself and two other bus captains' phone number, and we'll come pick you up. Excellent. Or go to the website, get contact there, call the office, whatever. Yeah. But we'll come get you. Yeah. So uh, this has been very enlightening. It's very good. And I hope that uh, we expect the podcast to be listened to a lot of the people that actually go here. But you know what? There's enough. There's a lot of people in our church who uh, aren't as aware of Sunday school, maybe for whatever reasons. Life has got a uh, busy, whatever. But uh, I hope you will, uh, I hope people will will come to see how great a ministry it is and uh, find a way to contribute, find a way to be a part of it in any way you can. Absolutely. And I, I don't know if we're out of, out of time, but no, one last thing is um, I've heard it said that you focus so much and they about us, that we focus so much on bus kids that we forget about our own kids. And I have never seen more of our church kids getting the Holy Ghost than we have since we've started focusing on bus kids. Good point. My son has got the Holy Ghost. My nephews have got the Holy Ghost. My niece has got the Holy Ghost. This is just my family, let alone the, I don't even know how many over the last couple of years right. that have got the Holy Ghost. Right. So we don't forget our own kids. No. They're still a huge, huge priority. But when you do God's work, he's going to He's going to bless you as well. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that statement before, but I, I disagree with it because I mean, what what do you mean? You got you got a place to go. You're getting great lessons. You know, it, it's not different. Yep. Your kid just like any other kid. Absolutely. Uh, they just happen to not have parents. Absolutely. And this last Sunday, we got to watch a bus kid get the Holy Ghost. He's only been coming like two weeks, and yeah. he's speaking in tongues. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. It was so new to him when I asked him. If, if he heard himself speaking in tongues, he said, yes, I did. You know, and we talked to him about that. And I said, do you know what that means? And he said, I'm not sure. So I got to tell him what that <laughs> meant. Yeah, I can't. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it in the did, world. Did he get baptized also? Or? Not, no, no. He, he got the Holy Ghost Sunday okay. morning. And we're talking to his parents. So we'll, we'll see where all that goes. If it works out, we may be able to get mom and dad a Bible study and teach them what happened to their son. That's yeah. what we're after. You know, there was something I did want to ask you about. At the, and we don't have really time limit. We just... Um, depends on how, how you feel, we feel, you know, whatever. But I did want to ask you this. I noticed that we uh, started implementing, um, <laughs> you got uh, a check-in that we have to do. And what brought about that whole necessity or why did we move to that check-in thing? Uh, crazy world. You got a bunch of just weird stuff happening and you just cannot be too careful. Yeah, so okay. bottom line is... When a parent drops off their kid, we don't want them to ever worry where they're at. 
So right now, <clears throat> this is on both the church and the bus side. There's two gates that they now come into, or one's a, one's a check-in. When they check their kid in, only one person can ever come get them unless you've signed a, a form allowing somebody else, and that's the person that checked them in. So uh, it's just a security measure because yes. it's a crazy world. Yes. And um, we don't want the wrong person picking up a, a child. Right, right. So it's just security, being careful. Now, if they come on the bus... We take them back on the bus, right? Is that part yes. of the requirement? Oh, yeah. Or, or if a- well, I mean, there are exceptions, of course. If they let us know ahead of time, they'll be picking them up. Or if we know them, no mom or dad or whatever, very, very rarely they might make exceptions say, hey, I'll come pick them up today instead of riding the bus home. But it's definitely an exception, not the rule. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, uh, this particular session, we hope that there will be a lot of um, parents that will listen to it uh, this podcast as they go to the website so that they can become familiar with what it is we're doing here and hear from our Sunday school superintendent, Brother Philip Booker, who is not a preacher, <laughs> but I'm he okay is, <laughs> but he is a teacher of the gospel without a doubt. And so, uh, so should we all be. And uh, this has been great. Thank you very much, Brother Philip, for consenting and joining us a part of this podcast absolutely today. thank you for letting me let me be here and we hope you'll uh we hope we can get you again at some other time for Not a problem. who knows an update or if it works out great things yeah <laughs> all right god bless you thank you brother philip for joining us today on the show and if you have any questions about sunday school or just general questions you can reach us at podcast at inlandlighthouse.com that's podcast at inlandlighthouse.com And we'll try to get back to you as soon as we can. And again, I want to thank you guys for joining us today on the show. And we'll see you next time. God bless.